Amen, amen. And before you take a seat, let's pray together, Father. We are grateful to be gathered here this morning in person and together via the live stream. We are grateful for you. You canceled our sin. We thank you for the free gift of grace, and we thank you because it wasn't free. You paid the price for us. We remember that this morning. And we ask that your name would be lifted high. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us, myself included, that we would learn more about who you are so that we may be transformed this morning and leave here changed. We pray for that, Holy Spirit. We open ourselves up to you. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. It is good to be with you this morning here in person and via the live stream. My name is Jose. And if you haven't already, check out the CCC guide. You will get the lyrics and the verses and the connect card and the prayer card. If you have a prayer request, you can go there. If you're at home, check it out. Look, this season, we've been praying more than ever before. And what I mean by that is hopefully you've been praying more like never before, but our prayer ministry team has received more prayer requests than ever before. And isn't now a great time to be in prayer? Isn't now a great time to be in prayer? Yes. Yeah, it is. And we pray, God, hear us. God, help us. God, heal us. And so take advantage of that on the CCC guide, ccc.guide. Again, you can pull it up on your phone now or on your computers at home. I am excited because today we start a new series. And I want to ask you the question. Six months ago, January 14th, what were you doing? What were your goals January 14th for 2020? Maybe you were right at the beginning of honoring your New Year's resolutions. Maybe you were like killing it. You had 14 days in two weeks. You're like, I'm actually gonna do it this year. All of these things planned, events, all that stuff. I want you to think about what those were for you. How are they doing now? A few things have changed. But you know, one thing hasn't. Six months ago, I was ready to receive the baton pass. Actually, six months ago and two days ago, Rob passed on the leadership baton off to me and I said, let's go, literally, let's go. And I got excited and, and I was getting ready to, to lead like never before and literally, and you know, it's funny because one of the things that I was most excited about was growth. I was excited to grow. And one of those things I was really excited to do was attend a leadership conference. And so my, one of my biggest preoccupations was which one should I go to? There was one in Atlanta, there was one in Waco. And I was like, oh man, losing all this thought space. Like, should I go there, three days there, two days here? It never happened. There was no leadership conference in Atlanta or Waco. But what I can tell you, the one thing that I have learned through all of these six months is that God is faithful. He has been faithful to keep his promises. He is faithful to fulfill his purposes in your life through these last six months. And this series is all about that. It's about looking at God's faithfulness through his story. We are going to look at nine episodes in the Old Testament, and I'll tell you why we're looking at the Old Testament in a second. We're gonna look at how God showed up, how God was faithful through these different episodes in the Old Testament because Jesus 
was present from the beginning. Some may say, well, we need to be in the New Testament. Yes, of course, let's read the New Testament. That's where the gospels are. That's where, where Paul really tells us how we are to live our lives as Christians. But there is so much richness to the Old Testament. And my hope is that we would get a better grasp of what redemptive history is all about. So if the Old Testament is like, yeah, the Old Testament. You know, if you're like Moses, yeah, I know that guy sometime there. And then this guy named Joshua and all these other names that I can't pronounce. Right. I've been there. And so my hope is that these nine weeks, as we spent time looking chronologically through the Old Testament, we can actually realize not only how God has been faithful then, but how God is being faithful now. We're gonna start today with creation. But before we do that, let me set up this verse. It's in Joshua. And in Joshua, we're going to be talking about these nine episodes. Joshua uses 12 stones. So in this period, the people of Israel had come out from Egypt. God was faithful to bring them out of slavery into this desert season, still not so fun. They were there for 40 years. And Moses was the leader. He passed on the baton to Joshua. Now Joshua is bringing the people of God into this promised land that God had promised the people long, long time ago in Genesis chapter 12. Point being, Joshua brings them in and he says, hey, God tells Joshua, need to pick up 12 stones to represent the 12 tribes of Israel. And I want you to take them from the Jordan River where you are crossing from. And I want you to take them to where you will now go and set up a memorial so that, here we go. And this is where we start off in Joshua chapter four, verse 20 through 24. Those 12 stones, which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know, Israel passed over this Jordan on the dry ground for the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over. As the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. So that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. So that all the people on the earth would know that the hand of the Lord, your God is mighty and that we may fear God forever. That word fear may cause fear in some of us this morning, but let's remember that that word fear means revere. It means holding God up to the highest esteem. God, you are so holy. You are so good. You are so supreme, preeminent. We're gonna talk about that here in a little bit about what that means for us today. But parents, what is God doing in your family? through this season. Students, what is God doing through your life? What is he, how is he showing up as faithful God? And what are these stones gonna represent in your life? That's the challenge. As we look through these episodes, let's look at what God is doing at how God is faithfully showing up and let's set up these memorial stones. You can literally, you know, when we, when we go to Blue Hole for trails, uh, there's some stones that kind of look at uh, what, what, the, what the emblem for the, this series is. We have an awesome designer uh, who created these stones and they're stacks and they're meant to call to remembrance what God has done and how God is faithful. So this morning, we're gonna talk about a foundational stone that actually has a secret for us as we live today. I don't know if you know, we're living in some pretty tense times. It's a lot of tension. And last week, Sean did an incredible job talking about how we are to live with this tension with compassion as the people of God. And today I wanna look at this secret 
that if we were to see people in this way, if we were to see ourselves in this way, that would actually relieve the tension so that we can be free to live as his people right here and right now. But first, let me just say this. The media right now controls the narrative of information that we are consuming. And as a church, we don't have a political agenda. We have a kingdom agenda. And so here at Cypress Creek Church, we're not going to worry about the donkeys and the elephants. We're going to worry about the lamb. And we're going to worship the risen lamb. And we're going to look at what he says, kingdom agenda. And then however that falls into politically, that's up to you, not to me. But my role and our role as a church is to see what God, the King, Jesus, the Supreme says as we live in these muddy, tense waters. And so let me just turn to Colossians chapter one, because right here we hear that Jesus is supreme. And again, the media will say a lot of this, a lot of these things, but they won't say this. You won't hear this anywhere, but on Sunday morning or, or from another a believer out there that Jesus is king. In Colossians chapter one, starting in verse 15, Paul, who is writing, says that the son is the image of the invisible God. If you've ever wondered what God looks like, Jesus. That's what God looks like, Jesus. We read about Jesus in the gospels. We learn how he walked, how he interacted with people. That is the image of the invisible God. He was the firstborn over all creation. So we're my firstborns. I know we got a couple others. Firstborns, wow, we're, we're, we're a minority here. Randy, you were firstborn. That's good. Man, firstborns, when we hear he's the firstborn of all, over all creation, we're like, that's right. We're the favorites. That's right. We get all those privileges that come with being firstborn. What, what this is actually talking about is not that he is favored, but that the firstborn in Israel culture has the highest place. And so Jesus deserves the highest place in our lives. Jesus is the highest for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth. Listen to this, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. So all the things that are created, not only is he the highest because he wasn't the firstborn, he was the creator. He was, he was God from the beginning, Jesus, God. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. Even though we may feel like we are personally out of control, let me tell you this one thing, God is fully in control. He's never been more in control than he is right now. And I believe that he has a word for us this morning is how we are to respond to everything that is going on. Let me continue reading and then we'll, we'll move forward to this first episode. So chapter, uh, verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church. Jesus is our pastor, not me, not any other pastor on staff. Jesus is the head. He is who we look to. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. Jesus was the first one to resurrect from the dead. We follow when we are baptized in Christ. We have been now risen with Christ so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Another version says that he might be preeminent. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. 
These are lofty words that Paul is writing about how high and holy and mighty is God and how Jesus is supreme. And if you don't hear anything else, just hear this. Jesus loves you and he's in control. And so we, if we put our trust in him, he's not gonna let us down. He doesn't promise that life is gonna be easy, but he promises that his presence will be with us as we navigate through stormy waters. He is faithful. So moving on to this first episode, I want us to look at creation where we get our identity. And I believe that if our world right now would understand this principle, we'd be all right. The tension would dissipate. I really believe that. I don't know if you know Dr. Tony Evans. He's an amazing pastor, theologian. He's out of Dallas. He's writing some incredible things out. If you want to hear a a wise word, look up Dr. Tony Evans and and read what he's saying. And he said something profound. He says that, yeah, we're in a health pandemic. A lot of y'all are wearing masks. Thank you for wearing masks. If you're not wearing masks, hey, they're recommended. Cool. Second thing is that we are in a cultural pandemic. But we're in a cultural pandemic and a health pandemic because we're in a spiritual pandemic. That's the reality. We're in a spiritual pandemic. And sometimes when we think that our weapons are our our reason or our weapons are politics or our weapons are our own understanding, we are reminded in 1 Corinthians 10 that our battle is not of flesh and blood. It says that for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So anything that is happening, argument or whatever, let us submit it to the one that is preeminent, that is supreme. And as we submit to him, he will show us how to respond. And again, I believe that we get this in the beginning. So I want to read Genesis 1 verses 26, 27, ask you two questions and then we'll close. Genesis 1 verses 26 through 27. Here's the secret. Here's the solution. And then God said, you made everything on earth, plants, rivers, oceans, dinosaurs. And then he said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God. He created them, male and female, he created them. The Latin word for made in his image is a really cool word that we should all memorize and use because it sounds awesome. It's imago dei. You and I are imago dei. Doesn't matter what we believe in. Doesn't matter where we come from. Doesn't matter what we think. Doesn't matter anything. The only thing that matters is being human. And if you are human from the beginning, this foundational stone that we need to remember is that we are created in the image of God for relationship and to represent him. So for relationship, it says that let us make mankind in our image. God is using the plural us because it's not just one. It is three in one. From the beginning, there was God, there was son, and there was Holy Spirit. And he lives in relationship with himself 
And so he is calling us into relationship with him, the triune God and one another. And then he says, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So we were created for relationship, but also to represent him as we rule. Did you know that you were a ruler? God made you a ruler over the things of this earth. God made humanity as ruler. We are to take care of, we are to take care of God's earth. But he is saying that we are supposed to represent him as we rule. And the reason why this is so important is because we don't really live this out day by day. And this has to do with my two questions. Now, I want you to ask these questions personally. The first one is this. As you are living as the Imago Dei, whether we like it or not, we are the image of God. We are not, excuse me, we are made in the image of God. We are not the image of God as we read in Colossians. Only one is the image of God and that is Jesus. We are made in the image of God. So as you are living as Imago Dei, do you see yourself the way God sees you? Do you see yourself the way God sees you? I think a lot of times we allow other people to dictate how we see ourselves. And somebody here needs to hear this. That God made you in his likeness. That means that God likes you. God made you. You, we all hear God loves you. Yeah, God loves you, but God likes you. He likes the way he made you. God doesn't make mistakes. He likes you and he made you for a purpose. He made you so that you can have a special place here on earth. You look the way you look for a special purpose. You act the way you act. You have the personality that you have that no one else on planet earth has because you are a beautiful part of God's masterpiece. I think about this collage. I don't know what it necessarily looks like, but I just think about this, that every person that has ever lived combined is what God really is like. Think about how diverse, how beautiful, how complex that is. But we were made in the image of God because God likes you. You may be a scroller of social media or thumb scrolling, looking at other people, thinking, man, I wish I kind of looked like that. Man, I wish I would have said things like that person said it, or I wish that I could do the things that this person has. Or maybe you're in school and you've heard things that you can't unhear because that's the problem with people's words is we can't unhear what people say. And so instead of seeing the way that God sees us, we hear the way that other people talk about us. And, and, and the, the thing is we can't unhear it, but you know what we can do? We can hear what someone says louder than what we have heard from others. And what, God, what gives God the louder voice is that he is preeminent. He is supreme. And so what he says matters most. What God says about you is way more important than anything else. No matter what anybody may say, God likes you. He made you. Now I have kids, four of them, six, four, two, and one, they're over there. They're actually quiet right now, kind of a rare thing. And they are made in my likeness. One is not because he's adopted, but we're all a family and we're all made in our likeness. You and your family made in likeness. Now, love my kids, 
But when the two B words show up, bubbles and balloons, it's harder to like them because they go crazy over bubbles and balloons. Right, guys? They do. There it is. I told you. They heard it. They just hear the word bubble and balloon and something happens. Here's the thing. I love my kids. It doesn't change the way I see them, but my hope for them is that they grow. My hope is that they learn, that they are disciplined by my parenting so that they grow out of that phase and learn how to play with bubbles and balloons. And the problem that the world has with being made in the image of God is that we think that because God made us a certain way, then that justifies our sin. That's not the case. God loves us, but he doesn't want us to stay the same. He made us like him, but what he really wants us to do is to be transformed so that we can be more like him. And who is him? It's Jesus. And so, yes, we are made in his likeness, but God also wants us to be more like him. And that's the hard part of reconciliation. That's the hard part of recognizing the sin that is within us. And so if I may, to answer this question before we move on to the second question, I'm gonna ask it again and I'm gonna read this psalm that beautifully depicts the way that God sees each of us. It's Psalms 139. Let me just ask the question again. Do you see yourself the way God sees you? And you'll know by how much you believe these words. It says, you know, when I sit down or stand up, you know, Lord, my thoughts, even when I'm far away, you see me when I travel and when I rest at home, you know, everything that I do, you know what I'm going to say, even before I say it, Lord, that's scary. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I knew it. When was the last time you looked at the mirror and said, thank you, God, for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. Probably not this morning, but maybe it could be tomorrow morning. You are beautifully, I am wonderfully complex. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I, would, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God? They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. This is the word of the Lord for you. He likes you. You were made in his image. But like I said, he does not want you and me to stay the same. He wants us to be transformed. And the second question is, do you see others the way that God sees them? Because what happens is if I don't see myself the way that God sees me, it's harder for me to see somebody else the way that God sees them. But if I know the way that God sees me and, and I do what these last two verses in Psalms 120, 139 say, 23 and 24. 
Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. If I ask those humbling questions to God, then what I'm gonna know is I'm gonna know more about who God is in me and I will be able to see other people the way that God sees them. Because the problem that we're having today and the tension that we are living in, in this cultural pandemic is that we do not have the ability to see others the way that God sees them. That is where the sin of racism comes from. And like I said, there is the political agenda. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the kingdom agenda who says that we are all created in the image of God, no matter who you are, where you come from, what you look like. But the problem is, is we as humans tend to hang out with people that are just like us, talk like us, dress like us, vote like us, act like us. And we end up in these echo chambers and we get on social media and that just feeds even more Did you know that social media actually is trying to make you think more the way that you do? And what that does in our land is it creates division and tension. But we as the people of God who know that we have been made in the image of God, when we see other people the way that God sees them, that tension dissipates. And we are able to humbly see somebody else that totally looks different is from a different place, speaks a different language. And we see them not as the things that describe them, but the very thing that defines them, which is their identity in Jesus. Now, through all of this, these last few weeks of stuff, I called a friend, his name is Yusuf. We actually have the same name, means Jose, Joseph. It's the English name Joseph. Jose is Spanish and Yusuf is Arabic for Joseph or Yosef, the original Hebrew. And we had a conversation about everything going on. And what I learned from that conversation is that the secret is not necessarily policy. Yeah, policy is important, but, but the most important thing is for us as the people of God who know our identity is hidden in Christ, that we know that God likes us, doesn't want us to say the same, but we know that God likes us. We need to have conversations. We need to talk this out. And we need to talk this out personally, not fighting on social media, not arguing as neighbors. We need to have these difficult and raw conversations. And boy, I would love Cypress Creek Church if we led that way here in our community. If we were on the front of those conversations, having them understanding so that we can see reconciliation actually happen and healing occur in our land, not for anything else, but for the glory of God. Because when I look at Acts chapter two, when the Holy Spirit comes down and Peter is filled up and powered by the Holy Spirit and he's preaching, he's preaching to a diverse group of folks that look different, even speak different languages, but they're hearing one voice and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then when I look forward to heaven, when Revelation chapter seven, verses nine says that after this, I saw a vast crowd too great to count from every nation and tribe and people and language standing in front of the throne and before the lamb, they were clothed in white robes and held pan branches in their hand. And they were shouting with a great roar, salvation comes from the God who sits on the throne and from the lamb. I see a culture that sees one thing and that is Jesus. That is the one thing that unifies us across the globe. And as we navigate these waters these, these days, I'm encouraging you to, to have conversations. It's that simple. Let that be the starting place. 
I'm also encouraging you to, to, to ask these questions that, or, or put this verse into practice and say, Lord, maybe not intentionally, but Lord, is there any offensive way about me? Search me and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out, Lord, anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path everlasting so that we can be a part of the greatest mission ever, which is God reconciling this world back to himself. He's faithful to do so. He is doing that right now, whether we see it or we don't. And I want to be a part of that. Do you? I hope you do as well. I leave you with these two questions. How do you see yourself? Do you see yourself the way that God sees you, made in his image? Do you know that God likes you? Then the second is how do you see those around you? Let's pray together. Father, we come before you and truly submit ourselves to you. And Lord, I think about that verse in 2 Chronicles where you say that if my people who were called upon my name were to humble themselves and seek my face, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal their land. And I pray, Father, that we as a people would be humble enough to ask those difficult questions and have those difficult conversations so that we can gain a, a greater understanding of who you are and what you've done for us and how you want to use us during all of this. And I pray, Father, that we would stand up and, and speak out and be bold as we proclaim the risen lamb who takes away the sins of everyone in the world. And we thank you, Jesus, that you came, you died, and you rose again so that we can be reconciled back to you. And I pray that we would see that happen also in our communities. That we would see that happen in Wimberley and in St. Marcus and in Hayes County and beyond. I pray, Father, for every family here present and, and watching online, I ask for your blessing to cover them and to be upon them in Jesus' name. Amen.